Hello and welcome to another episode of the LWDG Pod Dog. Now this is out on an unusual day. Normally we bring our pod dog to you on a Friday. This is coming out on a Monday because it's a recording from our free access course, Your Dog and Fireworks. Now, lots of people want to get their dogs ready for bonfire night and we thought it might be nice for you to listen in as our featured experts as they discuss what you can do to ensure your dog is safe and happy. The video and the podcast is available to everyone. You can find the video over on our resources at www.thelwdg.com. This course was recorded last year and we do mention some products in there. Hopefully you can still get access to those products if you need them. Um, but if not, please contact us and I'm sure we can give you alternatives that you can use instead. only short amount of time until bonfire night and for many of you this whole season this whole section of time is really really worrying because you're very concerned about what your dog's going to respond to how your dog is going to feel and certainly if your dog has got situations or got uh problems already it's even more worrying for you so ladies thank you all for coming i've got on the call with me tonight emma stevens jl cock abby reed Gemma martin and claire denya they are going to impart to us their absolute wisdom around this topic. Um, who would like to start with, what are the signs that people should be looking for to say that their dog is having a, a, you know, a challenge, a bit of an issue with fireworks? What, are they all sort of running around the room frantically or is it different things that you should be looking for that may be quite noticeable or quite, you know, quite not noticeable? Um, well, I, if I say a few that I had with my dog and then the others could all share things they've seen personally because I think it's so variable from dog to dog so when Indy was fearful she um, would literally freeze and curl up in a ball and would wet herself um, which is horrendous because you didn't if you didn't know her you'd think she was just sleeping um and that then started becoming shaking. And I didn't know that she had wet herself until she got up when it had finished because she didn't move. And then she started shaking. Um, and then as because the, it got progressively worse over a few weeks because we had this time period where fireworks are going off constantly. Um, from that, it started with vocalisation as well. So frantically barking. Um, at the air indoors like at the ceiling um but the initial things were very very subtle and i was like oh that's strange indy's like curled up and not moving and there's all this sound outside and she was actually traumatized and didn't move yeah and i think claire that's so important to show that there there is this massive it's very similar to the period uh, to the pyramid of aggression um that you can you kind of do get this pyramid of of fear as well um that it's the the signs in a real early stage are very very subtle it can be lip licking it can be going and standing in a corner it can be lying down and, and not moving at all which to a lot of owners whale eyes and all of that sort of stuff um taking themselves off into the bed and things like that and if you don't if you didn't know that dog 
you would think, oh, it's just taking itself off into his bed. It's just a bit tired or, um, oh, it's just in a deep sleep. It's just not moved or, and, and loads of different kind of reasons that you kind of put to this dog that actually it isn't, it isn't scared. It's just sort of having an off day or something like that. Um, and then what happens is if those behaviors are ignored, the same as aggression, if aggression's ignored, you kind of go up this level and, and it gets a bit worse and then up this level and it gets a bit worse. And then you've got obviously what Claire said right at the end, which was this vocalization just at thin air, because almost all of those underneath haven't been either with, with fear. It's slightly different because it's, it's not, especially with firework night, it's not something that you can stop and jump in on and prevent. Um, so those behaviors have effectively been ignored because of the situation that they're in, not because an owner's not done something about it. Um, but you get this kind of escalation up to the point where you're right up here and it's, it's very, very difficult to get them to, to recover and calm back down again. Yeah, the cortisol just keeps getting flooded in, doesn't it, over and over again each time, each time to the point that they can't cope with it and they spill over into yeah, work. Yeah, that's how long it takes a dog, a dog's adrenaline and everything to come down. You're talking days when mm. the fireworks are repeating night after night for a progressive mm. time. You're like sometimes... And sometimes within a night. So you'll have like one little flurry of fireworks and then they'll start to relax thinking it's ended. And then you'll have another, and it's quite unpredictable, isn't it? Like depending on, because you don't know what all your neighbours are going to do. So you don't know when they're all going to happen either. Yeah, and you're just kind of like just filling this bucket up continuously <laughs> until, until the point where it overflows. And then on top of that, you're going up this kind of pyramid of scale of, of their behaviour. Um, and usually lots of people don't do anything or realize their dog is stressed until they're at a point where they're almost screaming in your face i'm really stressed about this because the subtle signs aren't necessarily picked up on and some dogs will even become destructive won't they you know through it you know they will destroy the house if they're left alone um through fear you know it's you've got to think how traumatized a dog must be to be in that state of mind to do those sorts of things one of the other signs as well, um, excessive drinking. Some dogs tend to yeah. drink a lot when they're stressed. That's what I was going to say, and pant a lot. So what Nova did, she buried her head. I could see her body going. Like she was really, her heart rate was up very, very fast. This was quite an ex- extreme reaction in the first instant. But then she just drank so much. And I guess part of it is biological because she's been panting so much and that, that's warming her. She needs to drink to cool and... She's been losing all the energy, uh, sorry, electrolytes, whatever it is. But I think also sometimes it is just like, yeah, a bit of a desperate. Anything to do, anything to do. I'll drink the water. I don't know what else to do with myself kind of thing. Yeah, it's almost bordering on that destructive thing. They'll go and do something just to be doing something rather than, like if you get stressed, some people keep busy and some people sit and don't do anything. Dogs often self-harm when they're afraid, anxious or in pain, but with fear with fireworks so excessive licking of themselves to the point that they'll lick themselves raw or nibble nibble themselves raw um indy will pull the pads off of their paws literally pull them that's a heart off and she used to have to have laser treatment to help the <coughs> process i'm touching wood we've been good for two years we don't have these problems anymore <laughs> i think so i i once heard someone say this because like in the same way that human self-harm, you get, a, you get a small high, you get a bit of endorphin, which can counteract how afraid they are and the adrenaline and the cortisol from the pain because your body releases it in response to... It's, it's also the 
the different uh the different neurons that deal with pain as well like if you're pain through fear it's a very different one to actual physical pain um yeah. so what, so what it almost, yeah so what it almost does is it numbs your fear pain because you've induced actual pain as well so by inducing self-harm you take away the fear in, in the brain it's very very odd how it actually works but the dog's almost self-harming to relieve the fear pain because it's a different process in the brain if you've got a dog that's had previous behavior issues like resource guarding, separation anxiety, all of those sorts of stuff, they can be like re-triggered by a stressful event. So you may be actually over resource guarding and your dog hasn't resource guarded anything for a long time and it's been it's been fine. And then a stressful event will kind of redirect to a different to a behavior avenue that they, they previously had as well. So Especially if they've decided that their new den is their only safe space and then you go and try and get them out to make them go to the toilet. Yeah. You've got me all worried with favourite. <laughs> or, or Joe, you have a dog like my Brock, who the problem I had with fireworks is he would be scrabbling at the back door to run out and look into the sky. Behind you. And the birds. Why is it that fireworks cause an issue for dogs? Obviously, we can't know exactly because we're not inside the dog's brain. But I think the most commonly accepted theory is that it's uh, the pitch of it is very unique and often very high, as well as being very loud, which is something that isn't necessarily familiar to dogs. So as they're being raised. They're getting used to loads of different sights and sounds around your house and around their normal walks. They're not getting bombarded with these noises. And also visual. I know a lot of dogs that the visual part of fireworks is incredibly um, unsettling to them as well. And that combo together, as well as it happening at nighttime, where I think a lot of dogs are less confident anyway, because they're not used to being out at nighttime. We generally don't often... Some people do, but in general, that's not so common. And I think it's unexpected. And often it comes on so suddenly, and I think it's a shock. And you get, if you're not careful, you can get something called single event learning where a dog's afraid of something straight away. And then it's very difficult to unravel that. And the problem with fireworks is they go on and on. I think it is. It's, the, it's more the, um, the actual time of the day that it happens because yeah. most of us try our utmost hardest to have that lovely off switch when we settle down at night and shut the curtains and all nice and chill and you've got all of your dogs in this calm state and then suddenly this unknown noise with flashing lights and sizzling and pitches and things goes off and they've got no real attachment to any rhyme or reason for it occurring and obviously we as humans know that it's firework night or it's coming up to firework night and then they also have this kind of time of year where they have a break from it so you, you have firework night and then or it sometimes even starts from halloween you have halloween and then and then you have a gap and then it's firework night and then a gap and then it's christmas and then a gap then it's new year and then you're kind of almost coming into that spring summer where the light disappears and it goes all light again so what you can also run the risk of is, is a dog being actually scared of the dark because they associate the dark with fireworks and this yeah. loud noises and things like that rather than actually it just being firework night. And I think it can create other noise phobias as well as a, a fear of the dark. So, um, for example, one of our dogs is afraid of fireworks. I won't, I can go through if you want, but the situation happened that was not very well uh, controlled or, or expected. And then last season I took her beating for the first time and she was just afraid of the flag. I'd never thought, I don't think she would have normally been afraid of a flag, but it was that snapping noise, 
when people started making that snapping noise, she did exactly that same, oh my God, what is that noise and where it's coming from? And she'd become sensitized to things that she wasn't expecting. I think, I think it's, it's, it's not related to, like I know lots of clients have come to me and said, the dog's scared of fireworks, but they're not scared of thunderstorms. And you've mm-hmm. got to kind of understand the build up to a storm in the atmosphere a dog can sense that so they can almost sort of prepare themselves for something happening um whereas a so a thunder and lightning storm can be sometimes slightly different but you can create from being scared of fireworks being scared of storms as well so it's it's a whole kind of mix of incorrect association from the dog's point of view because they've got nothing else to associate it to and does it help or do, I suppose that, you know, for example, if you're a dog living in a family or and with young children, you have, they get overly excited about it all as well. So they, you know, a child's reaction once they understand what a firework is, is to almost go off the other end where they're screaming, they're running around, they're flapping at the windows. Does, does the whole heightened atmosphere affect the dog? I think it can do. Probably depends on the dog, but certainly another factor to it all. I think as well, um, we touched on trauma just now and, and Jay said that something had happened with her dog. Sometimes the trauma isn't even related to fireworks or to sound. I mean, um, a lot of people know my story with Indy that she was attacked by a dog and she had a, a breakdown that resulted in sound sensitivity, which extended to fireworks, gunshot, car doors, buses, air brakes you name it, anything that resembled. So sometimes I think we try and pin um, a dog's fear on something and the trauma that they've experienced could be anything, it could be change of home, something completely unrelated to that, but it develops into um, a fear and also looking at it from a perspective that it could be um, a physical thing as well. Um, dogs have much more sensitive hearing than us and if dogs are in pain some dogs with arthritis um, some dogs if they've got ear infections we can become more um, sensitive to sound um, when things like that are going on. I think breed, breed specific as well is, is really important some some dogs I have a lot of people that say to me oh well, you've got gun dogs you'll be fine on firework night and that's not necessarily a uh, a correct correlation of just because I have gun, gun dogs and they go and stand on a peg and have a gun fired over the top of them doesn't necessarily mean that firework night is, is going to be a breeze for me. I've got dogs in, in, in the kennels that we have to bring in at firework night because they can't cope in the outdoor kennels with the echoes and the acoustics of the kennels with, with the bangs going off and stuff. So it's some dogs, I know gun dogs in particular are very, very sensitive dogs. Um, and I think that's that's partly the, the reason and, and collies as well. In, in fact, quite a lot of working working breeds um, can be very sensitive. And I think uh, personalities as well have to be kind of taken into consideration of then also then how you overcome or channel that that firework nights or those loud noises in into training and into if you need to do desensitization programs into that as well it's, it's taking in the personality of the dog into account as well yeah. so if you've got a young dog or you've got a puppy um and you haven't had um an issue with fireworks or with bonfire night how can you make sure that your dog because you said jay about a dog that you know suddenly had an issue with it can you be that you do work 
ahead of time in order to get your dog ready to cope yeah. with different sounds. Yeah, when we breed litters, we play the noise to them when they're in the nest because that's when they're, they've got mum, they've got all the pheromones that mum gives off that basically is helping them to deal. Obviously, there, there are periods within the time they're in the nest where they all become a bit more sensitive and you would avoid those periods. But um, broadly speaking, they're, they're quite receptive to learning new sounds. So we play the sounds of all sorts of different things to them when we have puppies on the ground. But when you get your pup home, it'll be good. it's good to just play... Sounds of traffic, sounds of thunderstorms, sounds of gunshots, sounds of uh, fireworks quietly. So they're there in the background, but they're not loud enough to cause any kind of um, shock or fear, or, you know, a reaction that could be negative. And then you gradually build the volume and then they become just a familiar sound, like I was saying. And then when it happens for real, it's still going to be noisier and they're still going to, oh, what's that? But part of their brain will, will find that sound itself more familiar and be able to put it into context and... and understand it more quickly and and it not be scary um and yeah the dog we had she was so uh, i don't know if people have heard of fear periods but there's a lot of debate about if they exist when they exist what times they exist but um working with lots of puppies there's definitely every puppy goes for a, a point where it becomes more sensitive to certainly new things and we had a our dog was at that age and we were in the garden uh, with a bonfire and we didn't realize it was diwali because we don't celebrate diwali and a house two doors down just let out the biggest um, firework sequence literally right behind us. And the worst thing was not only did that terrify the dog in the moment, but then she ran in the house and then we were all outside. So she then felt she needed to run back out to get us because we hadn't been able to get in in time. And that's it happened once. And I've spent the, the next two and a half years working on it. <laughs> it's, just, it's much better, but it's very difficult. So... We're getting them when they're young, definitely. <laughs> uh, do, do a proactive plan to make fireworks not scary. There is an app that I have on my phone which I recommend <clears throat> to puppy owners. It's called Pup School. I don't know if you've heard of it. And um, they've got a sound part on that app. So you can have it on your phone so you can play it in the garden. But I also have these discs that I recommend people sound therapy for dogs which I ordered from Amazon and this one here is um, scary noises I think the idea is they're not meant to be scary um, and the other one is specifically for gun dogs so it's everything they might come across on a shoot um, from tractors and backfiring to birds and to things like the flags because mm. as you touched on Jay earlier some dogs the sound thing kind of really does travel. and gunshots so they're, they're quite good um things to have in the house to play um on the build-up as well like i tend to if somebody's got a dog that is sound sensitive i would tell them to start prepping in the summer don't wait until you know the end of the summer september october and then go oh no it's nearly fireworks season again i'd better do something you, you need months if you're going to work with these You've got a plan for it. So obviously we haven't gone months now. We've gone weeks. What what can you do then? So we've thought of a, a way of being proactive when we've got more time. If we haven't got more time, what things can we be doing to to make the night easier for all dogs? 
I think the main the main thing I would say is that um, you almost want the whole evening to sort of be what I would call a non-event, so a non-event for the dog, so it's not something that they need to feel worked up about. So I think if you're rushing around the, the night of firework night trying to sort out a bed for them and, do you know what I mean, and, and get everything ready, the dog's going to know something different is occurring and changing. So if you've not got the weeks to get ready from a desensitization to the actual noise point of view, you still have the weeks to get ready in the house. Um, so things like adaptive plugins or pheromone plugins, they can work for up to sort of, you want to be plugging them in sort of between six and four weeks before a stressful event of some description. If you know your dog's already getting stressed by something, um, and you can play those, those noises at very, very low volume and start increasing them, um, depending on how the dog is obviously responding to it um but you want to be trying as much as you can if you know that your dog is going to be stressed by it that you want to be saying like claire said in the in the summer really is where you want to be prepping your dog for it um but the fact that we've we've got a few weeks um the main thing is as i would say start walking them at night or spending a bit of time in the garden playing with them um like just in in the dark like take them outside while we've not got fireworks going on take them out and feed them outside in the dark so they're just at least used to the dark so if you end up walking and you're caught out and there is a firework that goes off you've only got the actual firework to deal with rather than the fact that they're not used to being out in the dark and there's fireworks as well so i've told all of my clients recently a couple of times a week start walking them out in the dark or just playing in the garden with them in in the dark so they're just getting used to it because the pups that I've got coming through now will have been born in sort of February, March time. They haven't had the dark yet. They haven't had a winter. So it's, it's important that they get desensitized to the whole point of winter and the dark and, and all of that sort of stuff, because it's going to come a point where they're being walked in the morning in the dark and they're being walked in the evening in the dark. And if suddenly that, that goes from being in the light to the dark with no sort of transition into it, um, it can be quite daunting for them. Mm -hmm. So if we've done all that, we've, we've chatted about, to get them ready but then on the night they're not responding well and they are really starting to get upset by it what what should we do I'd stick with what Emma says keeping it a non-event as much as possible so you want to be as calm as you can you're going to be distressed if you see your animal distressed but you've got to like self-talk yourself as a human we can do this and keep ourselves as calm as possible and um don't ignore them so some i have heard in the past people say if your dog's afraid and it's coming up and seeking attention ignore it don't give it any attention because you'll just reinforce it but you can't reinforce their fear you can't reinforce an emotion like that you don't want to like be afraid with them and go oh baby don't worry it's going to be okay and give them lots of extra fuss but just treat them like you normally would i, I think that they do well with comfort in the same way as a, as a scared child they sometimes just need you to rub their back um so I would say, but if they don't want to touch them, don't touch them. <laughs> Go with what your dog says. Um, show the windows, show the curtains as well. There's another thing I've been with people and they leave the curtains open because they quite like seeing the odd purple sparkle in the sky, but um, that's not helpful. And also shutting the curtains can muffle the, sm the s sound a little bit as well as the sight and just put telly on or radio on so the noises outside are less conspicuous. The only thing that I would perhaps add, I don't know if you can hear me, my phone's gone a bit funny, is I think we mentioned putting the TV and the radio on, but I'd actually turn them up, turn them up higher. So actually that drowns out some more of the noise outside. 
I try and leave all the light, leave all the lights on as well. So leave yeah. the main light on and all, all lamps and stuff like that. So that it's very light inside. So it's not this big kind of contrast of flashing and dark and flashing and dark all the time. They won't necessarily, if your curtains are shut and your lights are on, they don't necessarily notice the, the flashing lights of it as such. Um, and then hopefully it'll just be sort of a vibration and, and then pitch issue that that's throwing them. But you can get things like thunder shirts. Um, they, they do work really, really well. I've, I've known dogs wear them and it has, it's not completely cured it, but it's taken the edge off of a dog that would be literally trembling and terrified to a, to a state where they can at least lie down hidden somewhere. Um, and then coverings on crates and stuff like that, or coverings on in, in bed areas and things like that. So they've got like a little bend to go and kind of hide in. Um, but like Jace said, don't it, it, you're not reinforcing a fear if you reassure your dog or hug your, or cuddle your dog, if that's something that they're used to um by all means let them come up for a cuddle in the evenings and stuff if they're if they are getting scared it, it won't it's not you turning around and going i'm reinforcing that fear and they're gonna have that forever that's exactly spot on i mean with indy i mean she's fine with fireworks now but it did take a couple of years and i wrote down a list of all the things that people could possibly try because i've tried them all <laughs> And some worked and some didn't, but for one dog it might work just because it didn't work for Indy doesn't mean it wouldn't work for another dog. So the list of things I wrote down was the sound therapy discs, which were played constantly morning, noon and night. Um, the phone apps, so when I was out walking her, like M said, in the evening when it was getting dusk, playing the sounds on my phone whilst walking. Um, I actually did two Tellington Tea Touch courses um as well um indy wasn't a fan of it personally she's not a touchy-feely dog however she did like two of the motions one was the ear slides um and one of the body touches but anything too hands-on she's not a fan of anyway um i have got a thunder vest but i also learned how to use a bandage to do a body wrap and the body wrap i actually found more effective than the vest on her because it's on very specific pressure points so it's something that's worth learning about i also did a course on um backs the backs of flower remedies as well um so it's a bit like using rescue remedy for dogs but they are just individual oils they're like um backs remedy ones and i went on the course with my dog and the dog chooses the the oil that suits them um that was quite fascinating she wanted to eat one of them um and that was the one that i used with her on the fireworks night but the, the thing is when you're using so many multiple things you're not quite sure which one was it the full package that got you there or was one particular thing more useful than the other and i think it will be different for every dog. Um, and I found that doing that for a couple of years, and now I play with her with a tennis ball in the garden while fireworks are going off. So it can be done, but I'm not saying it can be done with every dog, but it's certainly not easy. But bear in mind all those lists of things that I put into the program, that's a lot of work. So I think it depends how much people want to put into it. But I mean, I went for the Bax remedy, but some people use aromatherapy, essential oils. 
um, homeopathic ones, um, but I just went with the back flower rescue ones. So, but they're just ideas for people to look into. Yeah, they mentioned about using a sedative drug. I can't remember which one it was, but I thought my, from a behaviourist, I was like, hang on, but won't they be bad? Because if, if yeah, yeah, and I hate using sedatives for fear-based stuff because. I mean, if you've ever been sedated yourself, you are very yes. aware of what's going on around you, Absolutely. but you cannot do anything thinking. about it. And I think for a fearful, if you know that the behavior's coming out because it's fear, the worst thing you can do is completely trap your dog in its own body while there's, yeah. while it's being, while it's in a fearful state. From, yeah, from a knowing how sedation actually chemically affects the brain and knowing how yeah. I feel, I feel myself when I'm, if I, if, when I've had sedation, I don't think I would want to do that. Uh, I agree. Um, so yeah, no, that would not be something I would I would ever really recommend. I was only going to say if somebody wanted to try a thunder shirt and hadn't got one, um, the tight sort of drying coats work well. We use it on our my housemate's dog, and that seems to help him when he's stressed about noises. And he also has CBD, which I don't know how you guys feel about, but it helps him when he's stressed or anxious about stuff. So is that CBD can be used for dogs? Oh, that's interesting to know. CBD is t- totally different. We're, we're talking about actual medical no. medical station where they go to where they go to the vets and they're sedated and then they come home again in that sedated state, oh, which also is actually really really dangerous as well because um, if you've got a dog in a sedated state, everything drops: heart rate, rest rates, everything like that while they're also in that stress state and the whole body's fighting the sedation the whole way through. And we've had dogs go into kind of all sorts of difficult heart failures and all sorts of things like that in vet practices where they're being actually monitored by a, by a vet or a vet nurse and they've reacted to the sedation because they fought it so much. This is fireworks in yeah. sedation where they sedated and they meant to stay in that state. Yeah. You can get drugs for it as well. Like you, you can <coughs> all the anti-anxiety medications but some of the anti-anxiety medications that vets have prescribed in the past where i've known if you look into detail into what they are they're, they're essentially sedatives and we had uh, i'm thinking of one specific case and she she developed loads of additional issues and in the end we took off all medication and actually she was better she was more afraid but it was like a legitimate we could figure out exactly what it was and she was really afraid of hot air balloons, actually, was one of her massive things. And then she'd associated that just with being outside and it got really, really bad. And again, I think a lot of it was because she was, she ended up on anti-anxiety medication all the time. Um, and I don't think it helped. I think it was a real vicious cycle. It's not the same as sedation, but again, I think yeah. it'll be long-term drug use. Two. I can think of two that spring to mind that have like a sedative effect, being Skullcap and Valerian. people use them together together usually so obviously people should speak to their vet before using them surely they should but i think i think think you can get them without i think you can get them you can get them without a vet prescription and you can Um, also get medications that aren't for sedation like that are for pain that have a sedative effect sedative effect like gabapentin for example if you've got a dog on a lot of pain a lot of gabapentin like my dog that has a sedative effect he's not afraid of fireworks it's not a problem but it just made me think about the fact that that could yeah. compromise them even more 
on fire work night or if they have a lot of metacam because they've got hip dysplasia and that in high doses can be a little bit it's not sensitive but have a sort of a similar effect perhaps i've got ptsd right from my first two brain tumor operation because they found it on the one day and two days later they had me in and did a six hour off and then four hours four days later on christmas eve they let me home so within six days my entire world had turned upside down um, and it was horrific and my PTSD would be triggered by, at the time, I was a fitness instructor, and for no reason whatsoever, I, di- I wasn't having a class when they found my tumour, I didn't have a fit, nothing to do with anything at all. I tried to go back to just Zumba just to get fit and try to do things, and I would sweat out of my palms. I've never had it in anything else, right? And it was literally like my whole body would go into an absolute meltdown when I would hear the music and I couldn't work it out. And the psychologist said to me, what's happened is because you were teaching Zumba around the same time they found the tumour, your brain has incorrectly connected two things together, even though they had nothing to do with each other. They connected, now one triggers the other. And like, I'm always fascinated. People think things happen to have to happen together at the same time. But they don't, they just need to have some reasoning why your mind is putting them together. And that's the thing, dogs can have incorrect association with with different triggers, which make it obviously very difficult for the owners to figure out the triggers and obviously really, really difficult for behaviourists to figure out the triggers. You also then couple in sedation, you would have no idea really what those triggers are because the dog can't actually physically show you. So I suppose if you have got a dog that is absolutely terrified, you do want to try anything and everything to get them through it because you don't want to see anybody, uh, any dog suffer. So what we're saying is proactive if you've got time from literally day from birth, using the time to make sure you're getting, getting your dog used to the sounds. If you've got a dog coming from a breeder, ask the breeder to get them used to the sounds. So they've got it there when mum is there using the apps, taking them out in the night, making sure that you give them as much exposure as you can at a sensible level to what they're going to come into contact with. So going forward, we're talking about being proactive rather than reactive, but that when we need to be reactive, we we look at all the different options available. Is that right? Yeah. Fabulous. Okay, well, I hope you all enjoyed that. It's a short video from our lovely featured experts. If you want to see more of the featured ex, um, more of the featured experts, you can find them in the Ladies Working Dog Group on Facebook. They all have their own website. I'm going to put the links below so that you can find them on those. Um, and thank you, ladies. And hopefully next month we'll cover another topic. Speak to you all soon.